Water, water everywhere and not a drop to drink. This is episode 742 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's episode, ponds as emergency water sources, what you need to know, and the rain catchment tart. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found in the show notes. Hey, are you looking to up your preparedness knowledge? Don't spend time bouncing around the internet for the best preparedness content. Instead, sign up for the top 10 preparedness articles and get them right in your email. For $5 a month, you can get the top 10 articles from Prepper Website sent to your email weekly. You can choose to read them or drop them in the Pocket app and have them read to you as you go about your day. The Buy Me a Coffee link to the top 10 are in the show notes. But even if you're not wanting to get the top 10, you should still visit my link and see what I'm doing over there. I'm using Buy Me a Coffee as my social media and connecting with listeners over there. And speaking of connecting with listeners over there, you have to check out, if you haven't recently gone to buy me a coffee, you need to go check out the post that I did on the Little Green Monsters. It's kind of funny and uh, one of those that uh, it just, you know, kind of sticks with you. We've been dealing with it for a little while. But anyway, I'll just leave it there and uh, leave the intrigue and uh, the surprise to you over there. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and jump into this episode. You know, water is one of the most important preps that you can have. And for those who have a consistent water source, well, you guys are very lucky. But most people don't have a well or a stream or a river that they can pull water from. Most of us stock up on water. But the thing about water is, and we've discussed this many times on the podcast, is that water is heavy and it takes up a lot of room. Eventually, in a true grid down situation, when the water faucets stop running and you have to dig into your water stockpile, it's going to run out. And the question is there, what will you do after that happens? Now, many of us have water around us on a regular basis. I pass a couple of retention ponds on my way to work every single morning and I only have a 10 minute commute. The thing is, is that you just can't use a water filter on those sources and make them safe to drink. There's a lot that goes into it. For instance, they retain water. So every time there is excessive runoff from the streets, the water goes into those retention ponds so your homes don't flood. And again, we have some really, really big ones around where I live. The thing is, is that it'll take with it, the water will take with it all the oil and the chemicals, everything that people have been putting on, all the Roundup that people have been spraying on their yards, all that stuff will run off into those retention ponds. And you got to be very careful. That's why I say just a regular water filter is not going to work. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about two different options. Now, I want to read those for you, and then I'm going to come back at the end to talk about something you really, really need to consider. So this first article comes to us from survivalmom.com. And of course, you already know what I'm talking about because it's in the intro to this episode. It's going, I'm going to be talking about ponds for emergency water. And so this article is a really good one. It's a short one, but it kind of walks you through some of these ideas and, and really shares with you that it's not really hard to do. There's a couple of links here that I would greatly recommend that you go visit. Of course, go visit the Survival Moms website 
but then bounce out to some of the other links, uh, for instance, that uh, the author here recommends or he references on thisoldhouse.com. I don't know if uh, if you're old enough to remember that show on on television, right? That was like the DIY and and all this. You know, now you can see that constantly on cable, but that was like the DIY show back in the day. And so anyway, they have a how to create a backyard pond and it's pretty easy. It's pretty a simple setup. So anyway, um, there is you know a couple of links here that you'll want to link to. So let's go ahead and dive into this one. Again, ponds as emergency water sources, what you need to know coming to us from the survivalmom.com. In many parts of the United States, ponds are as common as bees. Often the results of periodic flooding in river basins, ponds are an important part of local ecosystems. Many an adult can recall a pleasant childhood memory of chasing frogs or fishing in a local pond. A pond's ability to sustain wildlife extends to sustaining us as well if you learn how to use ponds as emergency water sources. Man has tamed the pond, as he has many other of nature's features. But just as the in-ground pool is now ubiquitous in communities throughout the world, the backyard pond can also be possessed by those with the inclination. As the owner of a pond, one has the valuable aesthetic benefits of this little piece of nature's beauty and the emergency preparedness benefits. Let's look at how your beautiful little pond can help sustain your family in a disaster. We'll address the backyard pond first, and then we'll look at how ponds in your local area can supplement your survival strategy. So can you use a pond as a water source? Yes, you can use ponds as emergency water sources. The pond is the anchor of a local ecosystem. It sustains aquatic plants, insects, fish, birds, and other wildlife. Water is needed for life, and a concentration of water equals a concentration of life. I really like that sentence right there. Water is needed for life, and a concentration of water equals a concentration of life. Man, that is, if that ever you know, needs to be on a prepper bumper sticker. <laughs> that, that's uh, that's one that really needs to be on there. All right, moving on. Whether natural or man-made, a pond contains more water in a small area than you could reasonably store in your garage or backyard shed. For example, a pond 15 feet by 15 feet and 2 feet deep contains approximately 450 gallons of water or the equivalent of almost 2,200 pint-sized water bottles. All right, so I'm going to stop right there, and I'm going to say that number is wrong. And the reason I even decided to challenge that is because in the comment section, someone said, gave another number, and even that one was wrong too. So, you know, sometimes you're just, you're writing so fast, and you don't you don't even realize it, and, you know, you think you wrote something down. So I don't fault these people for doing that. Uh, I have done that many, many times when I've written articles. But uh, the the math is right, just the numbers have, have uh, come out wrong. So to the way to get how many gallons is in a pond is to multiply the length times the width times the depth times 7.48 because every uh, there's uh, 7.48 gallons in one cubic foot. So in this article, they kind of shortchanged themselves by a whole lot of gallons here. So, uh, you know, this one said 15 by 15 by 2 is 450 gallons. So really it's 15 by 15 but by 2 is 450, but then they forgot to multiply that by 7.48. So you really get 3,366 gallons 
when you when you multiply all that out. So uh, you know, a 15 foot by 15 foot pond is not a small pond. I mean, you know, we think 15 feet, okay, that's no big deal. But um, if you were digging that out, I mean, you know, it'd take a little bit to do. But if you're able to do that, you would have a lot of water back there. So anyway, that is the way that you would uh, find out how many gallons is in a pond by multiplying the length times the width times the depth times 7.48. All right, so continuing on in this article, Add some fish and you have an additional food supply as well. Plus, fish also help control nuisance insects like mosquitoes. However, just slapping some plastic in a hole and thinking you're set for drinking water will get you and other people sick. If that's the position you're in, you might need to consider dew ponds above, below ground stills, plant transpiration, and other types of water acquisition. Now, reading that paragraph as I was getting ready for this episode reminded me of an article that I wrote, The Rain Catchment Tarp, and that's why I'm going to bounce into that one after this episode. All right, so some basic info about building a backyard pond. The actual construction techniques for installing your pond are comprehensively covered online. I particularly like this old house for a great step-by-step explanation. So we'll just hit a few of the high-level points. So again, there is a link to this uh, website, you know, how to create a backyard pond. And it really is. They show a lot of pictures step-by-step, really easy, some graphics. Uh, highly recommend it if you're thinking about it. So a couple of the high-level points that he mentions here. A basic pond requires some kind of liner to contain the water. There are rigid ones that are in a particular shape and flexible ones that allow you to, to design the shape and features within the pond. Anything over about 250 gallons will require the use of a flexible liner. In addition to installing the pond liner, you must plan for the quality of the water. Ponds are a chemical and biological soup that must be managed to assure nuisances like algae and nitrates and that they don't ruin your plans. And then decide in advance if you want just a water source or if aquaponics is also desired. Pivoting later, while possible, costs more money and time. So the good news is that you can design the pond's environment to address likely problems. As a part of your emergency water supply, you need to get this right. Tainted water carries deadly pathogens, and you'll need to know how to purify that water completely before using it for drinking or cooking. As with any home improvement, money is a trade-off with time and effort. In other words, if you have a ton of money, you can hire a landscape architect to design and build your backyard pond. But for the rest of us, there are numerous online resources and books like this one available to help you start your own pond. And there's another link here that you can go check out. So once you have your pond in place and operational, you must maintain it. Your ally in keeping your pond environment clear and fresh is oxygen. Just as a living room aquarium relies on a pump and filter to keep fish alive, a backyard pond benefits from a fresh stream of oxygen in the form of a fountain or a waterfall. If you have fish in your pond, a pump and some type of biological filter are essential for removing ammonia and nitrates excreted from the fish. Aquatic plants help in much the same way. So how to make a DIY biological filter? A biological filter sounds pretty complicated. However, all you need is a place for beneficial bacteria to grow and a flow of water through the area. Here's how I make my own. Find a container like a 55-gallon drum or big trash can and direct the discharge from your pump into the container. 
It should have a closed top to cut down on mosquitoes. Roll up evaporative or swamp cooler pads available at your hardware store and place them into the container. I've had great success with these pads. Use a bulk head fitting, also available at the hardware store, to affix a hose from the container back to the pond, where you can direct the discharge to a waterfall or a fountain. The good bacteria naturally latch on to the fibers of the pad and turn the nitrates and ammonia into a dark sludge. This sludge collects at the bottom of the container and is full of nutrients for plants. Periodically drain the sludge to keep your biofilter in top shape. So then how do you turn your pond water into drinking water? So the water should be pretty clear when the finished pond establishes its own balance. While it is probably safe to drink, prudence indicates some basic purification before use. You have several options for this, including straining the water through a coffee filter or other cloth to remove the large particles. At a minimum, boil the water for a couple of minutes. Add eight drops of regular household bleach per gallon will accomplish the same level of treatment in 30 minutes. And as a last resort, you can put the water in clear plastic bottles and leave it in the sun all day. The ultraviolet rays from the sun kill microbes in the water. So obviously, using ponds as emergency water sources only works if the water is safe to drink. I recommend getting the Survival Moms Complete Water Purification Cheat Sheet to make sure you know what to do. Now guys, I clicked on this. So this is an older article that has been, I guess, uh, you know, freshened up and, and uh, you know, re-released -re again. And so I clicked that link and I was hoping for that cheat sheet and it didn't send it to me. So I don't know if maybe there's just, uh, it's, it's been, you know, a couple of hours and it didn't send it to me. So anyway, hopefully that will, uh, it will come. But uh, a water purification cheat sheet is uh, one of those that are always really welcome. And I know that I've, I've shared those before on Prepper website. Um, if you go to the tag cloud, I'm sure you can find one. I'm going to talk a little bit about um, one of the... Um, graphics that I found that I think is valuable when we're talking about water filters and the best way to, to purify water. So I'll bring that one up here in just a minute. All right. So how to use natural ponds as a water source. Using natural ponds water is a good strategy in areas with lots of rainfall or a high water table. However, it's a little trickier when you come across a stagnant pool with lots of algae or foam. If you have the choice, avoid it, as the excess algae can indicate contamination with chemical runoff. When collecting water from a natural pond, draw from below the surface and above the bottom. Unfortunately, both areas are more prone to contaminants. A regular garden hose and a 12-volt pump available at hardware stores are sufficient for water collection. Take extra care in purifying water from a natural pond. Distillation and or reverse osmosis are ideal methods. Boiling and bleach are second choices. Of course, other water sources like streams and lakes are valuable, but vastly outnumbered by the humble pond. So to be on the safe side, get your own. All right. So again, uh, I think the great article here. And if you are thinking about, you, know, you have a backyard and you're thinking about, okay, I need to have more water or what can I do to up my preparedness game here? And, you know, you might have a garden and all that good stuff, but having a pond and being able to dig out a pond might be an answer for you so that you can have some uh, a water source. Again, you got to take care of it. So I have 
uh, I had a, a church member who had a backyard pond. It was a decent size. I mean, it wasn't, I, I wouldn't say that it was a 15 by 15, but it was decent size. And he had fish in there. And so when we had Hurricane Harvey, I mean, they were flooded out. He had to go get the, the fish out and, uh, you know, bring them inside and, and all that good stuff because his backyard was completely flooded. And so when you have something like that, you know, you have all that runoff. And again, there's runoff and all that kind of stuff coming from all over the place in a flood like that. Um, you basically have to dig, you know, or pump everything out and kind of start fresh so you don't have all that and you know, wind up killing all your fish. But anyway, you know, that's one of those things that you, you'll have to consider if you're prone to flooding, you would kind of have to, you know, start all over again after the flood and, and clear that out. So anyway, I think this is a great idea and something to consider. Again, if you have the space and you can do it, why not do it? And, uh, you know, create yourself some, uh, you know, some extra uh, water, a water source for you so that uh, if in case of an emergency, you can uh, you can access that. Now, this last paragraph here or the second to last paragraph when it talked about distillation and reverse osmosis, you know, I was referencing that uh, little cheat sheet here. I did find one at ar15.com and this is one, I'm going to link to it as well, but it talked about, well, it's just a little chart. It says zero to four scale, four being 98% effective. And it talked about the different types of contaminants that you would have. So heavy metals and chemicals, uh, you have a column for protozoa like uh, Giardia, you, then you have another column for bacteria like uh, E. coli, and you have another column for viruses like hepatitis A. And when you're looking at this chart, of course, you're looking for the fours, and you're looking for something that covers all of these different contaminants, right? The metals, protozoa, bacteria, viruses, and the only one that covers that is distillation. So pasteurizing uh, will get a, get a zero in heavy metals. You'll get a four in protozoa, four in bacteria, three in viruses. Um, some of the filters, like, you know, we talk about the Hydro Blue VersaFlow uh, water filter and the Mini Sawyer and all those different kinds. If you have a filter that uh, filters down to 0. 0.01, and so that's a difference of not just 0. 0.1, but 0. 0.01, then it will uh, it will filter out heavy chemicals. There's a one there. Protozoa, bacteria are fours. Viruses are at two. If your filter is only a 0.1 micron, then it will filter protozoa and it'll do bacteria as a two, but viruses and heavy metals as a, as a zero. And uh, reverse osmosis, I'm sorry, re- reverse osmosis is also uh, all fours. And, and so that might be something that, you know, you might want to, to look at as well. But I think distillation is probably the best one. And again, I want to talk about that here at the end, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, link to this chart too as well if you're interested in going and, ch- and uh, checking this one out. All right, so let me go ahead and jump to the other article. So this other article is one that I wrote, and basically it's a short story. So in the you know just like all the other stories that we read, the dystopian novels and all that kind of stuff, where you'll find an idea or you'll find information, you know, preparedness information inside of those. That's kind of what I was trying to do here. And so uh, again, this one's called The Rain Catchment Tarp, uh, a survival short story. And you'll see where I'm going with this here in, in just a minute. So let me go ahead and start reading. Samuel felt the wind shift a little. Even in the morning, the Texas sun beat down on his back and any breeze was a welcomed comfort. He continued pulling weeds, 
whispering a little prayer that God would bless this small garden and that it would produce enough vegetables to supplement what they couldn't barter for. He was doing everything right, but he knew that prayer was a powerful thing. As he continued in the garden, he noticed the sun go behind some clouds. As he looked up into the sky, he saw dark clouds forming. Lord, let those come right over here, he prayed. It hadn't rained in weeks. The rain barrels that he used to water the garden were running extremely low. He always kept an outward faith when Sally and the kids asked about water and other necessities, but inside he was always prayerful. He knew that water was too important to not have, but sometimes he felt powerless when he had to depend on the rain. He had done his best with building a rain barrel watering system and storing plenty of water, but you can never have enough. The present circumstances made that abundantly clear. Samuel tried to have a backup plan if they absolutely ran out of water. There was a lake two miles away. Water was heavy and it would be work, but with a garden cart that he purchased off of Craigslist years before the breakdown, he would take some of the bigger containers down to Mr. Johnson's house and access the lake from there. No locals would be upset that he was taking water because he would have Mr. Johnson next to him. Ken Johnson was a retired city official. He and Samuel served as deacons at the church. They grew very close and would often confide in each other about issues in their spiritual lives. It was Mr. Johnson that started Samuel thinking about the breakdown years before it happened. He was glad he did. If a city official who had his pulse on what was going on in a city, state, and national politics was concerned about where things were going in the government, that said something to Samuel. Samuel remembered that his weekly connect with Ken was coming up. He would talk to him soon over the ham radio. The drop in temperatures snapped Samuel out of his thoughts. He looked up to see that the sky had darkened and it looked like it was going to rain, maybe even storm. A smile came to his face. He closed his eyes and said, Thank you, Lord. He walked inside and called out, Get the containers ready. Inside, Sally was in the kitchen cleaning up from breakfast. Joshua was in the garden sharpening his hatchet, and Emily was stitching up a hole in a pair of socks. They all heard Samuel and immediately dropped what they were doing. Each went into action. They knew what get the containers ready meant and how important it was. Samuel had made that extremely clear. Samuel walked over to the closet and pulled out the tarp. He pulled it out, handing it, handling it gently, almost babying it. He knew how important it was and what it meant for his family. Joshua took a few containers to the porch and then waited for his dad outside. Sally and Emily continued to bring every container that could hold water out to the porch. As Joshua saw his dad coming to the back door, he walked out to the fence and grabbed the line of paracord that was attached to the fence. The end had a carabiner that would connect to one of the loops in the tarp. It was already starting to sprinkle, but no one worried about getting wet. Sally and Emily helped Samuel unfold the big 40 by 50 foot tarp. It was huge. Joshua ran from corner to corner connecting the tarp to lines that were tied to the fence. When he finished, the tarp hung about four feet off the ground, and was pretty much centered over the backyard. The paracord lines connected to the fence allowed the tarp to slant towards the back porch slightly, but if someone didn't know it was designed that way, they would have never noticed it by just looking. At the center of the tarp, closest to the back porch, Samuel pulled down on the tarp. He did so gently, but enough to cause any water hitting the tarp to funnel to the center and then run towards him. That is where Sally, Emily, and Joshua took turns filling up containers of water and moving them inside. 
Samuel came up with this idea years before when he looked into how many gallons of water he could catch in his rain barrel from his roof. Quote, After you found the square footage, multiply it by 0.56 to determine how many gallons you can collect per inch of rain. This calculation assumes a 90% efficiency. To find how much rain you can collect in an average rain year, multiply this number by the average inches of rain. For example, on a 2,000 square foot roof, you can collect 2,000 times 0.56 equals 1,120 gallons of inches of rain. If your average rainfall was 25 inches a year, your annual collection potential is 1,120 times 25 equals 28,000 gallons a year. End quote. And that's from Greywater Action. When the last container was filled, everyone took a corner and unhooked the tarp from the carabiner. They brought the tarp under the porch, being careful to not drag it on the ground. Under the back porch, Samuel and Joshua, with the help of Emily and Sally, folded it in quarters the long way like a hot dog. Once the tarp was folded, Emily and Sally wiped it down with clean towels to dry it as much as possible. When they finished, they flipped the tarp, unfolding it again and getting all the sides, taking pains to dry it as much as possible. Samuel reminded his family, We need to keep this tarp as clean as possible. The cleaner we keep this tarp, the cleaner our water will be and the less work the water filter has to do. After they dried off the tarp as much as they could, they took the tarp inside and laid it across the furniture in the living room to ensure no moisture remained on the tarp before they folded it up and put it back in the closet. The excitement and focus of the whole situation wore Samuel out. After he inspected all the containers of water and made sure their tops were secure, he walked back out to the porch. He was wet, but he didn't mind. He sat on the rocking chair and looked out at his garden that was getting watered by the Lord's hand. His eyes traveled to his rain barrels that he knew were getting filled too. He closed his eyes, bowed his head, and whispered another, Thank you, Lord. All right, so I, I don't know why, where I came up with that idea of just having a rain catchment tarp, but I think it's one of those that's pretty valid if you have decent rainfall in your area. And so you would just go out there and you would unfold it and you would catch as much water as you can. And so, again, the formula, if you wanted to look at that one again and you, you cared about it, um, you know, would be multiplying uh, the square foot of your roof or, in, in this case, the square, f- um, the, the square foot of the tarp and then multiplying, multiplying it by 0.56 uh, and then also getting, uh, you need to know how many inches a, a, a year your area gets. So anyway, so that's a, a way to determine how many how many gallons you could possibly get in in a situation like that. Anyway, um, that's just an idea there. If uh, if you don't have a well or a river or a stream or a lake that you can kind of go and and grab water from if you are in an SHTF situation. So it's one of those where, you know, you buy a tarp and you just put it up and you make sure that it is nice and safe and ready to be used if you ever need it. All right, so let me go ahead and finish out by talking about a little bit about water distillation because I think that really truly is one of those things that we really need to have and if we're thinking about super long-term, like we're thinking about SHTF, poo pits the fan, the end of the world as we know it type thing, because that's really going to be the, the safest route to, to have water that you can drink. 
And so I have a couple of different water distillations. You know, again, I've, I know that I've talked about this before, but I tend to think like long term and and hopefully thinking that long, long term, then I would have whatever I need for the short term as well. But anyway, so long, long term, I have a couple of different uh, water distillation uh, systems that I have purchased throughout the years and in collaboration with other people. And uh, I think they're just really valuable and you really need to have it. The issue with distillation. So again, remember when I talked about that little cheat sheet that I found on AR15.com, again, I'm going to link to that one, but you know, you have distillation and then you have reverse osmosis. I think distillation is going to be, if you're really in a grid down situation, distillation is going to be the issue. However, you're going to need a way to have uh, fire and you're going to need fuel. And so that's going to be really important. You can have propane, you can do, you know, all that kind of stuff, but eventually you would need to have wood and a way to put a pot, uh, you know, on top of a fire so that you can heat that up so that you can have, uh, so that you can have, you know, cause the water to steam and then, you know, distill it out and you would have clean water. Here's the thing. It takes a long time to have potable water if you're if you're distilling water this way. It's going to take a lot of fuel. It's going to take a lot of time. And then again, you need the water. But if you don't have any other options, that's what you have. And that's what you have to deal with. So there are a couple of different ones that I found on Amazon. And I'm actually going to link to those. I'm actually linking to to an article on Prepper website that would link to, to Amazon. So if you're interested in those, um, the one, the very first one, the D-Still Lite, um, that, that's one that I have uh, myself. And so anyway, you can kind of take a look at that one. Um, they're not cheap, but uh, you know, in an, a true emergency situation, I think that's your, your hydro blue water filters and your, your Sawyer, mini, you know, your mini Sawyers and all that kind of stuff. Um, they're going to be useful, but you really need to, if you need to distill water and you want to make sure all the chemicals are out and all the viruses are out, you're really going to need a way to distill water. So uh, guys, I'm going to go ahead and link to all those things, a lot of links today. And so hopefully you find those valuable. Um, I really don't have a way to tell if people are clicking on links uh, other than if someone just tells me, Hey, Todd, you know, I, I appreciate that link or whatever. So anyway, that's, that's there. All right, guys, uh, let me go ahead and just end this one um, by saying this. If you enjoy listening to podcasts, you will also enjoy listening to audiobooks. And I use Audible as my app and audio store of choice. If you don't have Audible, you can join for free for 30 days. You can enjoy listening to Audible originals, podcasts, sleep tracks, and audiobooks. And if you are already an Amazon Prime member, you'll get two free Audible books to keep even if you don't keep the membership. So to get more information, visit audiopreps.com. I have also listed a few audiobooks there that I have listened to if you need some ideas. So some are prepper fiction and others are just books, nonfiction that I have read that uh, you might be interested in. And again, that is audiopreps.com or click the link in the show notes. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 742. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com. Lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. 
And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.